What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Another edition of the NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin, joined by Matt Sells, the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year. Matt, we have our first road race in the books for the sixth time in as many races. We have a different driver getting a win in 2022. We're on a hell of a run. and all. Uh, it was water- Ross Chastain. Finally got to see him smash a watermelon at a Cup Series race. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Uh, made some. Now, let me put it this way. For DFS, it was okay, right? Like, I came out basically playing for free. It was, was a disaster for DFS. It, <laughs> I think most of our subs would agree. Yeah. I was at one point up about 1000 bucks, <laughs> and then Brad Keselowski decided to use Ty Dillon as a brake check, and that about ended <laughs> and did any hope of uh, my good day. Um, I felt pretty good about the read on the race, though, to be honest. Um, I think in Discord, I think a lot of uh, a lot of the subs were at big prior to Omen being a wrecking. Yeah, I mean the last like overtime was not great for for well for us <clears throat> basically. Um, I did have Ross Chastain winning in the bets piece at twenty five to one, so that was pretty nice. Um, F one went okay as well on on Sunday. It was a very long day of watching races. You know what's weird about F one? And this is just me, but I, like the first race for Bahrain, I played twenty dollars in their version of the Happy Hour. I forget what it's called, but I played twenty and I won twenty dollars and fifty one cents. This race for Saudi Arabia, I played twenty dollars, I won twenty dollars back. So through two races, I'm <laughs> only up two quarters. Well, I mean, you're not down <laughs> two quarters, right? I mean, I, mean, I guess I'm playing for free, but it's like, what are the odds that basically through the first two races? Like I'm basically getting the same exact return. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I, you know, I thought the race was pretty spectacular. I did also hit some pretty nice um, props on that one too. So we'll see if we can keep the betting going. Um, there is no F1 race this weekend. It, you got to wait all the way till the uh, 10th of April for that one. Uh, there is, however, a short track race for NASCAR this weekend. So again, we get a different racing style. For the seventh week in a row to start the NASCAR season. Um, I mean, because I'm still going to consider Atlanta slightly different than Daytona, even though it was basically the same. It was still slightly different. Um, I think with Atlanta, it's safe to say, like, it, there's drafting at Atlanta, though, at, at Atlanta now. But there are still mile-and-a-half elements to it. Right. Like, if you have the lead, you can hold the lead Correct. at Atlanta. Right. Like, yeah. we saw William Byron click off, what, 90-plus laps led? Um, it's still a lot longer than Daytona, so yeah. All I know is I I may be skipping that in July for DFS. <laughs> to be fully honest, I don't even know if I want to go watch it physically in person. Yeah, it was a little bit of a disaster. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought overall Coda was pretty good. Apologies for no pod last week. Uh, there was some different scheduling issues. That, that it wasn't even like that disaster. So it was just like. We were texting back and forth, and we just couldn't line up something perfectly. Yeah, basically, I you know I, I wasn't feeling great one night, and then uh, I have some friends moving to town, so I'm trying to help them. Like they're moving from out of state, so I'm kind of their liaison. And he was in town for like one night, so I was trying to show him around town, and the timing just didn't work. So that's all right. Um, but yeah, um. <clears throat> You know, if we turn our attention here to Richmond, the action track, I honestly don't know how why much they call it Richmond that. is what? You don't honestly don't know why they call it that? Well, I mean, I know they why they used to. It used to be good. Um, not so much anymore. But to be perfectly honest, I don't know that there's going to be that big of a difference in the racing here this week. Like, How much from Phoenix can you take away possibly for this? I mean, they're very comparable, right? If we're like when the track breakdown comes out tomorrow morning, it'll be out in the morning because I leave to go out of town in the afternoon. Um, you'll see that I have the similar race table back up. And for those 10 races, it's the last three New Hampshire races, last three Phoenix races, and last four Richmond races. Mm-hmm. Those are the comparable ones. And the reason why we can still compare all of those is because those tracks all used the. 750 horsepower low downforce package 
the last couple of years, which similar is very to similar to what they have on the cars now. So that's why I'm kind of wondering if the racing's going to be any different because, like, it's 670 horsepower instead of 750, but the downforce is about the same. Um, you can get close to the wall without having tire concerns because, oh, wait, check that. The tires just go flat all on their own anyway. <laughs> so I, I honestly don't think it's going to be that much different of a race, to be perfectly honest. Um, is there anything special about Richmond? I mean, I always have to remind myself what kind of a track it is, and it's it's, it's like the only three-quarter mile track. Yeah, it's three-quarters of a mile, so technically it counts as a short track because we're counting anything <clears throat> under a mile as a short track. Though, you could count Phoenix and New Hampshire because they're both they're flat and they're one mile. Um, it's relatively flat, though. It's not like – it's certainly not banked like Bristol, but it's a little bit more banked than Martinsville. Um, and it's also kind of a D-shape. It's not like your standard – you know, like New Hampshire's like a – like an elongated oh. paperclip and Martinsville's yeah. a shorter paperclip. And then Bristol is a, you know, there's no, they're perfectly straight straightaways for however long they are, which is not very long. Richmond though, the front stretch is D-shaped. It's like a trioval basically. It's just three quarters of a mile. Um, so that makes it a little bit interesting, but in terms of racing style, I don't know that we're going to see that much of a difference over what we've seen the last few years here. All right. Well, I guess we can talk strategy in a little bit. Uh, let's just briefly touch on the schedule because you are heading out of town this week. So everyone's just stuck with me. Yeah. I mean, but Dan, Dan holds his own. I mean, Dan does pretty well on short. I track. hate Richmond. I really don't like Richmond. I mean, you say that every <laughs> time and then you do pretty decently on, on, I mean, you can't hate it more than Bristol, right? No, I mean, Bristol is my least favorite track for DFS. It's the one I suck like, just routinely it's like death taxes and i just completely crap the bed at bristol for dfs i can never read bristol i understand like pd is is an aspect of it but then like guys start falling multiple laps down and i can i'm just it's weird i suck at bristol but i'm actually pretty good at martinsville yeah you you've covered me at martinsville before and you did did very very well there with the grandfather clock so hopefully this one's closer to martinsville than bristol um, so schedule wise, obviously we've got the pod, um, Thursday morning, you will see the track breakdown up for free, uh, on DFS alarm. Uh, you will also see a betting preview on PixWise. Uh, that'll get updated maybe Sunday morning, probably is when I'm going to have the time to do it. Maybe, maybe Saturday night. Um, maybe I won't have to update it. We'll see how good my uh, read of the race is four days before it happens. Um, Friday late afternoon or late night, we'll get the initial DFS rankings put up there for you. Um, what? I'm pretty sure you just said NHL DFS rankings. No, the initial. Oh, initial. Gotcha. My bad. <laughs> first DFS, first run of the rankings of the weekend. Um, and then Saturday, you get Mr. Malin for the playbook. Um, I will... Probably have projections up late Saturday night. It's after. So full disclosure, I'm going to Atlantic City this weekend for a fantasy baseball draft. Um, I'm in. This is my home league draft. Been in it for, I don't know, eight, nine years at this point. Um, and I'm driving from Lincoln, Nebraska to Atlantic City. So that takes a while. So I'm leaving Thursday afternoon and getting there hopefully Friday afternoon. Um, and then the draft lasts literally for 12 hours on Saturday. It starts at 8 o'clock in the morning and it's probably going to end about 7, 30, 8 o'clock at night. That's then after that, I'll have the projections up. <laughs> um, and then Dan will have you covered for prize picks, plays, uh, and the example lineups on Sunday because I'll be back in the car. So I can probably say with 98% certainty the cut playbook will be up overnight, Saturday into Sunday. I will not probably – I probably won't have it ready uh, – Saturday night just because I'm going to be invested in the Xfinity race. I This is one of those annoying weekends with Xfinity where I can't really do anything as far as updates go until Saturday morning because that's when practice and qualifying are. Uh, but the Xfinity playbook will be up Friday night. It'll have updates Saturday and then after the Xfinity race I'll start working on the cup playbook and the drivers that I like. Um, so yeah, just bear with me a little bit. 
but it will be up and ready in time for everyone to enjoy with their breakfast on Sunday. Yeah, so you'll have the full allotment of stuff Sunday morning, projections, lineup generator, playbook, stuff like that will be good to go Sunday morning. And it's a mid-afternoon Sunday race, so you should have a decent amount of time on Sunday to uh, get stuff there. But I will be not available on Saturday. Like, I'm not even allowed to have internet in the draft room. Um, good for you. Because it's a 20-team league. And about half the people decide to do a 12-hour, 20-team auction with pen and paper. And the other half use draft software on computers. So because half the league doesn't use computers, we can't give half the league the advantage of having internet to see who just got cut and who got injured and who got, you know. So I will be fairly unreachable on Saturday for that. That will be missed. Let's just say it out loud. Um. And, yeah, unfortunately, there's no break in the NASCAR schedule like sometimes there is this time of year. So that's kind of the lay of the land. Um, You know, if you need a refresher on the schedule, I did uh, put it in Discord earlier in the week. Uh, And no F1 this weekend, so don't have to worry about missing coverage there. There's actually no race. All right. You just want to get down to drivers and strategies? Yeah, let's start with strategy here. Okay. I think why I'm usually pretty bad at Richmond is because I always underrate or forget how hard it is to pass here. So a lot of times I'll put in my playbooks like guys that are starting like outside the top 20 that offer PD. And then come to race time, like the race is unfolding and it's like they get stretched out and it becomes incredibly difficult to like move up through the field. And I think a good way – if you have access to it, like just just watch one or two races in previous years, either in 2020 or 2021 from Richmond, and you'll basically see what I'm talking about. Like you can really gain PD through pitch strategy and track position later in the race plays a big role in how your DFS day will go. But under green flag runs, it's pretty tough to really move up through the field. You're correct. Sorry, I'm counting um I'm, I'm counting something here for just a second um 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 22 23 24 25 26 i have no idea what's going on 7 28 29 30 31 32 33 34 second i thought you were oh. counting yankees championships so i am not counting yankees championships what i'm counting is i keep track of the uh, loop data stats from the last five races at uh, each individual track that we go to. Um, so for the last five Richmond races, which is two from 2021, <clears throat> one from 2020, and two from 2019, what I count is the percentage of drivers that finish in the top 10 that started inside the top 12. Okay. So the 34 that I just said is out of 50 possible spots. So if we double it, that means 68% of the drivers that finished in the top 10 started inside the top 12 over the last five Richmond races. That should give you a pretty good idea that it's very hard to pass. And by the way, the other thing I keep track of is lead lap finishers. Uh, Not a single one of those races in the last five has had more than... 16 lead lap finishers. So this seems like a great week to play FanDuel if we're just going to boil it down to finishing position and trying yeah. to land guys that are finishing in the top five, top ten, get the winner. Last fall, only nine. Only nine guys finished in the top, uh, finished on the lead lap last fall, which means uh, Ryan Blaney, who started eighth, finished tenth, finished a lap down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> he had three fastest laps, didn't lead any laps. Put up 33 DK points. I don't remember how much he cost. But, yeah, he finished in the top ten and finished a lap down last fall. What's uh, the approach for Dominators? Can you try to build with w- one guy hopefully just crushing it for, you know, over 200 laps led? Or should we try to spread it out a little bit and try to aim for two or three? So you can do that. Um, I'm seeing that's three straight races with 
at least one driver leading at least 197 laps. There's a fourth one. That that one, there's two of them that are over 200 in this sample. Um, yeah, so in the last five races, we've seen one driver lead at least 186 laps. And, you know, the second... The second driver in laps led. There's two of them with over a hundred. Um, let's see. There's three over a hundred, and that's four over eighty. So, you know, you're gonna get two dudes basically splitting at least half, if not three quarters, of the laps led. Uh, and unsurprisingly, they're basically starting inside the top five, leading that many. The only winner in the last five races here to not start inside the uh, top ten was Alex Bowman in this race last year. Oh, he lucked into another win? He started 24th, led 10 laps, and won the race. So that's, Yeah, he had track position at the very end. <laughs> that's kind of the stayed case. Out. He st- there was a late caution, and he stayed out, and he won the race. Good that's, for him. So the teams with the... <clears throat> with the pit stop strategy are the ones that are going to win this race. Unless you just have such a dominating car, it doesn't matter what your pit pit strategy is, but passing here is at least to get up inside the top 10 is very, very hard to do. All right. Uh, Can we lead off with Joe Gibbs racing first and foremost, probably one of the most disappointing teams so far in 2022, but you know, last year, we saw them – all right, well, I'm at least looking at 2020 where Martin Truex Jr. led 80 laps. Hamlin led, it looks like, 197 in one race. Uh, Hamlin also led over 200 laps in a race here in 2019, and it looks like Truex led over 100, if I'm reading this. Yeah. So this is – and we usually – we always talk up, or we used to, talk up JGR for short, flat tracks. But they just can't seem to get a firm grasp on how to set the new next-gen car up. Um, It's almost as if when Kyle Busch fires it up, he knows it's a crap car, or at least that's what we hear on the radio from him. He always seems upset. Um, What does JGR really need to do or show you this week that we can trust them here? Because this is a track where they can dominate – uh, this is one of Martin Truex Jr.'s 39 home tracks on the schedule. It's also um, Denny Hamlin's home track because he grew up in Henrico. Right, and he's having a terrible start to the season. It's just like, do we trust JGR at this moment with the new car and these tires? And They, they don't have a good read on this ride. No, they don't. And, in fact, if we look at green flag speed for this year, um, the highest ranking one is 11th on average green flag speed, and that's Martin Truex Jr. You've got Kyle Busch is 19th. You got Denny Hamlin is 13th, and Christopher Bell is 14th in the pack in terms of green flag speed across all races this year. Um, not including Daytona, by the way, because green flag speed doesn't really matter at Daytona. Um, so yeah, I'm a little torn on JGR. This week, because we've got a couple factors here, right? We've got the home track for Denny Hamlin. We've got tracks that they've done very, very well at. I mean, this is almost, you could say, essentially their best track over the last several years has been Richmond in terms of Kyle Busch doing very well, getting some wins, dominating. Denny Hamlin's gotten a couple of wins. Martin Drugs Jr. swept one of the seasons here when he like went over 81 in short tracks and then figured it out at Richmond. Um, You've got Toyota owners. I mean, it's the Toyota owners 400, right? There's a gigantic inflatable Toyota sign on the backstretch at Richmond. So Toyota is heavily invested in this race. They're driving Toyotas. They want to see their cars do very well. They've done well in the past, but this year, this new car is not been very good for JGR. And I don't know if they haven't figured it out yet. If like they're just getting beat on strategy or I mean, because at Vegas, it seemed like they figured it out for for Kyle Busch and Truex. Right. I mean, if that 
if um, Eric Jones doesn't have a tire blowout with three laps to go, Kyle Busch wins the race. We're talking about a completely different narrative for JGR. So, but on the other hand, they did not look good at Auto Club. They did not look good at Phoenix. They did not look good at the road course last week. Um, you know, they didn't look all that great at Atlanta for what that's worth. So I, I honestly don't know what to do with with JGR right now. I would say. I would say the guy that I'm leaning more towards playing from JGR right now is Martin Truex Jr. Because he seems to have at least the most consistently quick car of the stable. And this has been a very good track for him the last few years. So Yeah, I guess. I, I like, And he's got three top eights in his last four races. Now, granted, they're on... All kinds of different tracks. Right, but um, see, but that points to that he's got a very <clears throat> consistently fair. Quick. Good point, yep. Because, like, if we look at Ross Chastain and we're going, well, that guy's got a quick car. He's finished third. <laughs> that's first. Yeah. So, um, I would say MTJ would be my JGR play this week. I think <clears throat> I probably would go with Denny number two simply because it's his home track. He needs points to climb his way back out of the basement of the standings. And have you tried building any lineups yet? I know we don't have the starting order, but it's just like um, I haven't. But the pricing is so pricing is awful. Yeah, like I mean, I have a lineup of right now: uh, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, Ross Chastain, Todd Gilliland, Tyler Reddick, and I have eighty-eight hundred left over. I could go with Christopher Bell, Alex Bowman, Briscoe, Harvick. Kurt Suarez Almarola. I mean, it just seems like a week where, depending on where the PD values are, like you don't need to spend every dollar necessarily. No, I mean it's 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 bad, and the fact that Chase Elliott is the highest priced dude, they're just. I don't even know why. Like that guy, in terms of speed this year, in terms of if you combine some predictive speed metrics like top fifteen rate, lap lead percentage, fastest lap percentage, green flag speed. Um, driver rating, he's like 10th or 12th in the field across this season. Like, he, I mean, I know he moved up at Coda, but he never really seemed like a threat there. Yeah. Right? Um, and for some reason, Vegas has Chase Elliott as the favorite to win this week. And I don't know, I think what they're legitimately doing at this point, I mentioned this to you before the pod, I think they're hedging. I think they know that Chase Elliott is the most popular driver in NASCAR, and people who don't pay attention to the sport are going to say, well, if Vegas has him as the favorite, he must be the favorite to win for some reason. So I'm going to put my money on Chase. And they full well know that Chase doesn't have a legit shot at winning right now. But they know that a guy like Ross Chastain, who opened at 40-1 to last week and finished at 25-1 to last week, and won, is going to hammer the the sports books when he hits, right? Like they have, they have some legit dudes pretty decently far down the odds list. And that's the only thing I can think of is that they're hedging to cover that. Like chase is just going to bring in the money. And so if they bring in X amount on him as a favorite, that they know they're not going to have to pay off. It'll cover the inevitable losses that they're going to get from I'm sure they're tr- still trying to recoup from St. Peter's crushing their <laughs> bottom line <laughs> in the NCAA, too. Uh, all right, let's move over to, over to Team Penske. Joey Logano is the cover boy for this week's podcast. Um, I am a fan of him. He's won here a couple times. Um, more recently, I mean, he's fifth here. In, uh, top fives in both races last year. Finished third at this race a year ago. I mean, numerous top fives. He's won here a couple times. Brad Keselowski won here when he was in the two car. Ryan Blaney, his car has looked fast, although he has not been very good uh, in terms of pit road speed. Uh, His crew is kind of screwing him over there. But overall, I don't know. I feel like it's just another good week to go back to the Fords and Team Penske. Like, they seem to have these cars dialed in. 
Cedric's been so, so since, you know, winning Daytona. But overall, I feel pretty good about loading up on Logano and Blaney, at least. I'm sure Ed Rouse is loving that. Yeah, I mean, Blaney <laughs> hasn't had the luck, right? He's been clearly the fastest car all season. I'm not even sure it's really that close. He was on the pole at Coda and then couldn't even hold Daniel Suarez off for, like, a lap. Uh, now, granted, it's a very long lap, but couldn't hold him off for a lap. Um but green flag speed points to this, right? Blaney's number one in green flag speed this yep. year. Logano is fourth. And then your so-so take on Cedric fits because he's 16th in green flag speed. Not that it's everything, but in terms of when there's been green flag runs, you know, those cars have been about there for for speed. And I think Logano is a, is a guy that for some reason still flies under the radar. And I'm not entirely sure why. He's been really quick this year. He's put together very solid finishes. Um, and this is a track he's done well at previously. I love rostering Logano because for all the things that you just said, I completely agree with. And every time in my GPPs, he's never a highly owned guy. And the car has been fine. You know, We know that there's going to be one of these races that he just goes out and we're not expecting it and he just – Dominate it, dominates it, and wins it. I'm not saying that's going to be this week, but, I mean, if he does qualify well, then that could bump up the ownership. But 9200 is a pretty reasonable price um, for Vegas, Phoenix, and even Atlanta. He was he was over 10000 or in Atlanta's case, he was 9900 9200 still a fair price. You know, we can, you know, say, like, he needs 46 points for value. I think he can get there depending on where he starts. Uh, but I also I don't think the price is necessarily going to force more people on him, even though we're getting him at a right. bit of a discount. Because here's the thing: you've got MTJ at 9600, you've got Blaney at 94, you've got Hamlin at 93, Byron's 9000, and Chastain's 8900. All of those dudes have been getting more talk mm-hmm. than Logano. And so if you're going, well, why is you know talking about? NASCAR DFS is becoming more popular this year than maybe it has ever, right? It seems to be growing very, very well. And the casual fan might go, well, these all these other guys are getting talked about a lot, so I'm going to pay attention to them, as opposed to Logano, who's still flying under the radar and has top five speed every week. Yeah, I mean... Sorry for the pause. Uh, I was reading something else. Uh, congrats to the United States men's national soccer team for making the World Cup. They didn't lose by six because that's all they had to do was not lose by six. Hey, you know. Considering the fact they didn't make the last one, this is, <laughs> this, this is, this is nice. Uh, all right, let's move on to another team. Screw it. I want to talk Trackhouse. I, I, I'm going to sound like a homer and a bandwagon. You literally but I, bought in. You bought gear. <laughs> I did. I bought <laughs> – I'm such a home like I'm such a sucker for drivers that win because Alex Bowman uh, got his win and then he started selling you know backing into wins since like I don't know 2018 or whatever and I bought one of those t-shirts and I've always been a fan of Trackhouse's logo I love how their headquarters look it just looks so clean like clean and big and like it, that's the kind of like shop I would want to own if I was Justin Marks um, but now I'm kind of a Mark for Justin Marks uh, since I suckered in and. Bought myself some track house gear. <laughs> you did. Um, but, you know, it's impossible not to talk track house, right? Like we just mentioned, Ross Chastain has his last four races. Third, second, second, first. Like, that's real hard to beat right now. Uh, the guy's got speed literally everywhere because that was Coda, Atlanta, Phoenix, and Vegas. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I don't see that stopping. I mean, we can... You can look at the track history, but at some point when a team is on this kind of run with this kind of speed, you kind of have to lean on recency compared to to track history. So he's been okay here, right? But he's also been in a Ganassi car, which, as we saw with Larson, not as good as a Hendrick car, right? right? Larson came here and pretty well did you know, some nice things last year in the Hendrick car. So I'm going to lean on recency. Chastain has been very good. Now, as far as Suarez goes, it's going to come down to where he qualifies for me. Um, 
7,800. The 99 car obviously had speed last week. Uh, he led the whole first stage and then had the, um, you know, not a great uh, pit cycle to help him, and he got stuck. He got stuck way back in the pack for most of the race. Um, so for Suarez, for me, it's going to come down to where he qualifies more than Ross Chastain, who I think is basically plug-and-play at this point. Um, and basically has been all year. So, and to be perfectly honest, him being 8,900 bucks is kind of disrespectful. I agree. The price tag on both guys is a little bit disrespectful in my mind. Um, I was pretty heavy on Suarez. I want to say it was for Phoenix. It was, it's actually the only race that I think off the top of my head that I played cash at this year and he was in it. Um, he's only 6,400 then 7,800 is still a pretty nice discount. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Matt, Adam Stern just tweeted or about 30 minutes ago that F1 is announcing a Saturday night 50 lap race around the Vegas strip in 2023. I saw that Vegas was going to be the third F1 race of the season for them in 2023, because they're still going to go to Coda. Um, Probably still going to have Miami. I think that was a four-year deal that they yeah. did for the Hard Rock track. Um, so a 50-lapper around the Vegas Strip. 3.8-mile track. Yeah, I mean, that fits. So the thing with F1 races is that if you look at the mileage, they go by mileage, right? That's why they set the, the laps based on how big the track is, and then they try to keep them all within – the same, I don't know, two to three kilometer distance, basically. Um, so, yeah, 50 laps for 3.8 miles basically keeps it within within that. That's pretty interesting. On I the would, longest straightaway, they'll be able to reach a top speed of 212 miles an hour. Yeah, on the freaking Vegas Boulevard. Yeah. Like, it'll be insane. All right, let's get back to uh, NASCAR. I'm not sure though. how much ticket prices are going to be for that, by the way, for those interested in going, because the one in Miami, they're $400. For just the for just the Sunday race, not even a three day pass. Like the Coda one, it's like 150 bucks for a three day pass. So have fun. All right, <laughs> uh, this is a short flat track. What do you think you're gonna do with Eric Almarola this week? How did I know that was gonna be? <laughs> um, probably play him pretty decently. I mean, it's a short flat track, right? Um, well, he started the first three races off with a fifth, a sixth, and a sixth. But then, like, you know, for Phoenix, he started fifth, finished 12th. He wasn't really on my radar because he was starting so high. Then Atlanta, which is almost a super speedway hybrid, started 10th, finished 22nd. Kind of top 20 last week, but it, he's just kind of simmered off a little bit. Does he get back on track at Richmond, which is kind of like his bread? It should be his bread and butter, at least. So in this race last year, in the fall race, he started – ninth and finished 14th and this race last year he started 22nd and finished sixth does that again he's worth it yeah if he does the fall race he's not worth it right right um in 2020 started 10th finished eighth <clears throat> not terrible um and then in 2019 started seventh finished 17th that's not what you want and in that uh, in the spring race in 2019, um, he also did not have a very good day there either. Um, I mean, he moved up eight spots, but he still only finished 23rd. So, not there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, to be perfectly honest, is he the dude? Like, He's not the dude that I trust from SHR right now. It's Chase Briscoe. Okay, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> Briscoe has been on fire with <clears throat> like almost every week this season. Like that guy's got a fast race car every week. But uh, the only because I'm just looking at the result. Phoenix. I, he won Phoenix. I get it. But <laughs> my concern is that, and I can't honestly tell you what happened with Chase Briscoe every race because. I understand he has a win on his resume and good for him, but I'm also looking at finishes of, you know, 30th at Coda, started on the pole for Atlanta, finished 15th, whatever, kind of a super speedway drafting race. 
Uh, Vegas started fourth, finished 35th. Uh, well, Auto Club started twenty fourth. Just a weird, like he had the flat tire, the steering thing, right? Like I think it was a mechanical thing that trapped him in the back, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so but but he is still the guy that you're trusting the most out of SHR. I mean, it's not like Harvick has been. I mean, Harvick at least has four top twelves in his last in the last five races. And he was good yeah. at Vegas, at Phoenix too. Sure, it's the one Briscoe like won, but part of me still wants to just put a little more faith in Kevin Harvick because at least he is, you know, like he's not blowing it out of the water, but like he's a he's been a relatively safe cash game play over the last month. He's yeah, not winning, but he's also you know only eight thousand dollars when he a couple years like. <laughs> He was 10-6 for Auto Club. Now, granted, he started outside. I mean, he was 93 at Phoenix, so he's still 1300 less than he was at Phoenix. Oh, keep in mind, these are probably the prices that DK posted following qualifying. Maybe, but I don't think they've had those for the last couple of weeks. Uh, you might be right. But I I, like I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think they've had them for a couple of weeks. I mean, I guess you make a good point on Kevin Harvick. I think if you want to go the GPP route, I can probably agree with you on Briscoe. But if I'm playing cash games, you know, I'm just going to go with, you know, old reliable and, you know, Grandpa Harvick. Fair enough. I feel like I guess Briscoe's more like the Blaney of the team in which he's got just a ridiculously fast car, but the results haven't there been. And Harvick is like the Logano of the team where he still has a decently fast car, but you don't necessarily notice. And the results are solid. Okay. So, I guess we want to comp it that way. Um, I guess we can jump to a couple two-car teams, whether it's 23XI, uh, RCR, maybe even uh, RFK. I don't know. All these guys are kind of falling under this sub-8K price tag, except Tyler Reddick. Is this a track where you feel okay playing Tyler Reddick? The car is always fast. He's due for a win. I'm surprised that we have three drivers that have their first career win in 2022, and he's not one of them. I mean, he's been awfully close, though. He was awesome at Auto Club. Just yeah, to get the win. he should have won. He should have won until he got caught up in, what, Byron's yeah. uh, untimely tire thing. I mean, Reddick's been good here in the three races he's run here. All of them have finished inside the top 20. Um, no top tens just yet, but keep in mind this car is this is the fastest car he's had at RCR, and I'm not even sure it's close. Um, I don't know what to do with Austin Dillon, to be perfectly honest, because he tends to be a dude that just shows up on weeks that I was not ever looking at him. <laughs> no, the weeks that I like Austin Dillon, he spits the bit, and then the weeks that I don't even look at him is how the hell like. Wasn't he in the top five at some point last week at Coda? He might have like, been. Without a pit cycle? Um, and he got a top ten, and he was only 7K. And right, draft- and I'm like, where did that come from? That dude is not a good road racer. <laughs> yeah, DraftKings didn't even adjust his price tag. Yeah, so, I mean, the track history says he's pretty decent here. And, again, RCR cars are pretty quick right now. So, if you want to go for a low-owned option and you like RCR, Austin Dillon might be the guy. I think Tyler Reddick's going to be pretty popular, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, what do we do with RFK, to be to be honest? Are we just going to bank on Kozlowski using the desperation moves? The well, I think that makes him a GPP play almost any given week, and he becomes a better cash game play the farther back that he starts. But, I mean, given the penalty that he had to take, you know, I'm of the mindset that every week he's just chasing a win to try and get into the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, he needs 11 playoff points to bank one right now. I'm not saying the results for him have necessarily been promising since he doesn't have a top 10 outside of Daytona. Um, but, you know, the, Kislowski and Busher, they're just they're in Fords. The Fords have looked solid this year. They're just going to be two guys that I always just sprinkle into a couple GPP lineups. Um Maybe even cash games if they're starting farther, you know, far enough back. 
Um, so, I mean, I, I just always manage to mix them in just for the sake and in case they go off. Yeah. What are you doing with Kurt Busch, speaking of 23XI? So, I forget who it was on Twitter, but somebody tweeted out that, you know, Bush's green flag, or maybe this was even on Race Hub, but Bush's like green flag or average running position is outside the top 15, although his average finish has been like right around 10th, maybe 12th or something. So his green so, flag speed this year is exactly the same as his brother's at 19th in the field. Right, but he's still coming in with, uh, you got an eighth at Auto Club, uh, top five at Atlanta and Phoenix. So he's somehow finishing better than he's running. Um, yeah, his average finish right now through the last five races is fifth best in the field at 12.2. If you want to, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going to be super heavy this week because – I understand he got a top five at Phoenix, but this whole narrative of him not running as well as he's finishing, that eventually will wear out. I think he gets a win this year. Kurt Busch manages to get one one win almost every year. Mm -hmm. It'll probably be at a mile and a half. I don't foresee it being this weekend. I think he probably qualifies well once again, probably qualifies, I don't know, like P13 or something. I don't think I'm going to get a ton of exposure. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll certainly have more exposure to Kurt than Bubba. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> close, but I'm I'm with you. It's the it's just the luck factor right now with Kurt that like his finish is so good because the ends of these races have been nuts, and if he if you can just avoid the end of the race and call the right pit strategy, then you can jump up seven or eight or nine spots. But the running position for him this year doesn't really match. Like, here's a perfect example, right? So his average starting position is 20.4. Mm-hmm. His average running position is 18.7. And for those of you that don't know what running position is, basically they tabulate where he's, what position he's running in every single lap of every race, add it together, and then divide by the number of laps, and you get – Average running position. Okay. His average finish is 12.2. Like, that doesn't. It's not sustainable? Not really. I mean, you know, you want to see him more. Like, for example, Alex Bowman, right? Alex Bowman's average finish this year is 10.4 right now. That's second best over the last five races, only behind Ross Chastain. Alex Bowman is starting 10.4, running 10.7, and finishing 10.4. So he's holding where you want to hold, right? He's not moving up. He's not dropping back and then getting better. Ross Chastain averaged our 18.2, run position 10.2, average finish 7.4. It's a hell of a run he's on right now. But, like, to see an average finish or an average run position that's so skewed towards his average start position and then moves up late means that in the last little bit of the race, Kurt Busch is moving up several spots, which helps for DFS, and it doesn't really matter. It's the equivalent of, well, this guy gets touchdowns all the time in garbage time. Okay, great. For DFS and for fantasy, that's fantastic, but it's not really sustainable because if your team isn't getting blown out, the guy's not catching anything, right? Um, It's the same thing with Kurt Busch. If the wrecks don't happen at the end, He's not getting the chance for the final pit stop to jump up several spots or not pit and jump up past the guys that do pit. So, you know, it, it's a little bit of a, a luck factor with Kurt Busch right now. We're almost at, I don't know, about 45 minutes, so I don't want to go too much longer. But who are some value drivers that we can look at this week based on whether it's just what you've seen in terms of speed? I feel like a lot of people will jump on Todd Gilliland, just ripping off solid results of late. You know, started 29th last week, finished 16th at Phoenix, started outside the top 30, got a top 20. Um, just feel like he can move up at least six spots or so. He's only 5,500 on DraftKings. I kind of like Harrison Burton, too. Uh, if we if we do like the Penske cars, I feel like you kind of have to at least give a little um, – 
exposure to their satellite team and and Burton. I was actually pretty heavy on Burton last week as, as a GPP target. And he only moved up two spots from 19th to finish 17th, but he didn't kill my day as much as Almondinger did. Um, and then Justin Haley is just a guy that's coming in with four straight finishes in the top 17, all different tracks. We've talked almost every week uh, about how fast Colleg has been. I know I just named three guys and I probably just stole all three of the guys we we're going to say, but those are just three guys that I'm looking at from a consistency basis. And I'll obviously like them more if they're starting farther back. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue. Actually, I don't know if that's yeah. true. I don't know if I do like anyone starting far back this week. I mean, it, so starting forward back isn't isn't a death sentence. Death I mean it can be, right? But like in this race last fall, we saw Chase Briscoe start twenty sixth and finish sixth. <clears throat> he was not on the lead lap, but he was two laps off of it, and that doesn't really kill you on either site, right? He still moved up ten spots. You'll take that to Benedetto, whatever. He started 28th, finished 18th. Okay, so there's guys who can start in the 20s and move up. Bowman obviously won it from 24th. That's pretty unusual. Eric Amarola finished in the top 10 from the 20s. That's also unusual. But if we're talking about guys being able to move up, um, in the last five races here, there's been an average of 4.8 guys to get double-digit place differential per race. That's only positive place differential. It's not negative. Um, there's almost there's about seven and a half guys moving up at least six spots a race. So you can move up. Um, it obviously caps your ability. If you fall laps down, then you're only going to get so many spots. I guess that is worth mentioning is because, like, you can still – you'll be fine in cash games if you have a driver or two that falls off the lead lap. I guess even in GPPs, it's not the end of the world either because, you know, this, even though your guy is off the lead lap, he can still move up once other drivers fall off the lead lap as well. Um, it is just very frustrating, though, from a DFS perspective, if you're only making like one or two lineups, like just, just a, a light handful, and you're just seeing like multiple drivers fall off the lead lap because – there will be one guy that starts outside like the top 20 or top 25 that is just hanging around um, by default just because he somehow stayed closer to the front as other drivers are getting lapped. Um, but this this can be such a frustrating race to read at times. Oh, for sure. It's also a, a race where you have to have the laps led dominator or yeah. basically no shot. I mean, how many laps are there? 400? There are 400 laps. They're racing 300 miles. So that gives us about 280 dominator points at max. They're not going to reach that total with cautions. Right. Uh, so yeah, you you absolutely need the either the one dominator or the two dominators, and hopefully you guys don't wreck out. You know. Yeah, and if we want one other cheap guy that you could toss into, um, I'll give you two. Um, Cole Custer. <clears throat> Do we wear the look in GPPs? Can I ask why? He's got a top 15 here. Um, in the last eight similar style races, he's got four, five top 20s. And he ran pretty well at Phoenix, if we're going to go off of that. Um, he did run pretty well. Not an outstanding day, but, I mean, he started 25th and finished 16th for 36 you know points. I'll give it to you because as someone who is who believes more in ownership for NASCAR DFS than, than actual projections, um, nobody will be playing Cole Custer. Right. He also moved up 10 spots at, at Auto Club for what it's worth. Completely different style track. But, you know, he has the ability to move up. It's got to be his week to do it. Otherwise, it's not going to look good. Right. So, like. He had, I mean, we're. I'm just not going to look at Daytona because that's such a wild card. But in at Auto Club, 42 points. Vegas, negative one. Phoenix, 36. Atlanta, for what it's worth, minus six. And then a road course, started third, finished 23rd, got you negative one point. So if he hits, he's good for like 6x. If he doesn't, toss that lineup spot away. Mm -hmm. Um. 
And Stenhouse is there's something about Stenhouse that intrigues me this week. Um, he did okay at Phoenix. I mean, he didn't hit he didn't hit value for sure. He was eighty four hundred. Um, started thirty six. Didn't really move up all that well, which is a bit concerning. But at Richmond, he's also got four top twenties in the last five races here. And he doesn't really move up all that well, but the average finish of 18th isn't bad. So if he's starting in the mid-20s, you can get him to move up. 6,500, it's not likely that he's going to have to do much more than that to hit value. But Cole Custer, I think, for GPPs is a pretty interesting boomer bust. I don't hate the play. I kind of respect it as he was not someone that was on my radar. But do you have any final thoughts? We've gone over 50 minutes. Any last words for Richmond? It's kind of the last time people will get to hear from you for this race. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, check out the track breakdown. It'll be, you know, part written, part table like it normally <clears throat> is. Um, certainly getting back to, you know, more like what we had for Phoenix and Auto Club and, Vegas because there's comparable tracks and all that good stuff. So there'll be strategy notes in there. There'll be facts to know, tire notes, all sorts of uh, interesting stuff. It's going to be a week where, depending on practice and qualifying, there could be about a million ways you can go in lineup construction, to be perfectly honest. Um, You know, if it turns out that Chase Elliott for some reason winds up on the pole, then we're all going to eat our words because we're probably going to have to play him. Um, But I will say that this, historically speaking, hasn't been the best track for Hendrick overall. Um, Just as an organization over the last, I don't know, like two decades, not been a very good track for them. them. Um, So you're going to want to get at least one dude from the top five in your lineup because that's where a lot of the lineup or laps led come from. As far as fastest laps, it's a little hard to, to predict those, but... Usually the guys out front leading laps are putting down the fastest lap times. Um, and I don't know that I'm gonna that we're gonna see that much different from racing this year simply because they did not have the high downforce package on these cars. You know, the last couple of years they had the low downforce, which is basically the same cars we have right now. Um, now we might see a you know guys driving a little closer to the wall and not having repercussions from it. Um, which apparently, by the way, Tyler Reddick tried to do it Kansas at a tire test today. I saw on Twitter and he scraped the wall. Uh, <laughs> not a shocker. I mean, it's Kansas and it's Tyler Reddick, so wall scrapes are bound to happen. But um, So, yeah, I, I think generally we can expect about the same style racing where the only way you're going to make huge swings in position differential is with pit strategy. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you with your fantasy baseball draft in Atlantic City, and best of luck this week to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.